0: Welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds, by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie today is an especially poignant one for me because we are talking about my all-time favorite comedy movie this is one that I have been saving for a special occasion a lot of people were shocked I did not do this as my number one episode on staff picks and I'm like well I was trying to spread them out I don't want to do all my favorites right at the start and the movie we are talking about is the hilarious 1988 comedy a fish called Wanda starring uh, John Cleese Kevin Klein uh, Jamie Lee Curtis again I I personally think this is probably the funniest movie of all time, if not that, the best comedy of all time. I have seen it endless amount of times over the years. I had tried to rewrite the script to it once just because I wanted to write it from memory, the entire movie. So we are really delving into Mario's psyche here today. So just letting you know you are right smack dab in my, uh, my uh, uh, specialty zone today. This is my movie. And my guest today is I happen to find another fan of this movie. He loves this movie just like I do. Although he's a little younger than me. He, so he didn't see it in theaters, but he has said this is one of his favorite movies and he is very excited to come on and talk about it. And I of course could not be more thrilled to bring another fish called Wanda fan onto the podcast. So welcome to the show, PJ Gohan.
1: Thanks for having me, Mario. Yeah, well, I may not have seen it um, you know, in the theaters, but I saw it at a young enough age that uh things that are imprinted in me just as I'm sure they're imprinted into you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So give people a little backstory on who you are. You're, I know, first time guest on, on staff picks. I have never actually met PJ before right now. I know you're a big movie fan, but how, how did I find you again about A Fish Called Wanda?
1: You were, you, I believe it was the either the beginning of this year, 2020, or last year that you were putting out a list of your movies that you wanted to do and, I follow you based off of your work, um, through the survivor historians and, you know, through your work that you've done through that over the past, a uh, couple of years. And I saw that and I said, Oh, fish called Wanda. I, I knew that my, my dad was a, a child of the eighties. So he watched all those types of movies. We saw cat. I saw Caddyshack at a young age. I saw fish called Wanda Fletch. I saw all those types of movies from the early to mid eighties, all the way through, um, and so I saw that and I was like, oh, that's a movie that I, have, I haven't seen in a while, but I could remember all these little intricacies that and little quotes that we that my family would say to one another, just you know, as little inside jokes. And and then when I saw that came up, I was like, I replied on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's I fish called one. I love that movie. And then you know, that's how the ball got rolling for that.
0: Okay. And I will say right off the bat that there's nothing more flattering than knowing I'm a peer of your father. <laughs> so, glad to have the youth of America here on Staff Picks
1: He's, he's getting
0: AARP uh, letters as we speak <laughs> damn you okay this will be <laughs> pj's last appearance on staff Picks. <laughs> all right so uh give us so again your, your dad raised you on movies and i'm glad he did because a fish called wanda is one of those movies that i personally think is the funniest movie of the 80s but it doesn't really have the name recognition of stuff like clue or Spaceballs or like uh, ferris bueller breakfast club it just didn't, just didn't resonate so right off the bat i have to give kudos to your father for teaching you about the good stuff <laughs> and also caddyshack
1: oh man that's his favorite if, if he sees this episode he's not he's already gonna turn it off
0: i'm sorry i i think caddyshack's a little overrated i mean i like it I like parts of it. i don't think it's great a fish called wanda i will i will have fist to cuffs with anybody who says this is not a great comedy
1: it's it's it was great watching this back it was really great <laughs>
0: Also, highly inappropriate comedy for children. So somehow it escaped your parents' defenses. How how old were you when you first saw it?
1: I want to say between either ten or twelve.
0: <laughs> the perfect time to see yeah. a fish called one.
1: I mean, I'm a Massachusetts kid. I hear worse on a <laughs> regular day.
0: <laughs> That's right. You go down to Southie, like in a, like in a Goodwill Hunting. You hear yeah, them talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, now I'll give people my history of this movie, and again, I grew up in the 80s with PJ's father, we were, you know, doing stuff that the 80s kids did, and I saw every movie, every comedy, and this movie came out in 1988, and I didn't see it right away, I never saw it in the theater, although it was the number one movie in America after all, which I was kind of shocked, I didn't realize it was that big a deal, but I eventually heard it was funny, and my brother and I rented it on video. And oh my God, did I laugh so hard the first time I watched this movie. And I'm like, I have never seen a movie that consistently funny. And then we watched it again, and it was even funnier the second time because there's like little quotes and references that aren't even like the main joke in the uh, scene. They're just like background stuff. And so we just watched it over and over and over, and it immediately became my favorite comedy of all time. And... I don't know if you would know this, PJ. This was not a movie that kids walked around saying was their favorite movie at the time. So I was a very odd person calling this my favorite when everyone else would be talking like about Princess Bride and stuff like that, Indiana Jones. But this was far and away my favorite, and it made me an odd kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that the the British roots of this movie kind of you know it's not you know a domestic kind of film. So I could see like where that was. More seen as off off kilter, so to speak, as opposed to all those movies that you mentioned between Princess Bride versus Bueller, Caddyshack, all those all those more mainstream U.S. you know 80s movies.
0: Yeah, and this was considered a very dirty movie at the time. It's very racy. It's a Fairly hard R rating, I believe, for the time. There are a couple of scenes I'm thinking of right at the top of my head where Kevin Klein orgasms on top of Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one scene you were not seeing in a lot of uh, kids' comedies at the time.
1: The, the, we, we can get into this a little bit, but when I, when I first saw that, when they say that they're brother and sister, I legitimately thought that they were brother and sister for a very long time <laughs> before revisiting the movie later and realizing that that was just, you know, my brain not knowing any
0: better. Did it make the movie better or worse when you thought there was a huge incest subplot? I thought that I, – well, I, 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 like I said, I was so young I didn't really have like, quite a,
1: a, a grasp on that. But like everything else, I was just like, oh, I definitely read this movie wrong the first time through. Like It was just like – I had to take a step back and look at myself and see like what was I thinking at the time.
0: <laughs> so- Yeah, this movie is very racy, very well done, very well crafted, but there are some themes in it that turn people off. Now, if people know anything about me, nothing turns me off in comedy. There is no limit, no line that cannot be crossed, but the cruelty to animals subplot in this one I know has turned off some people over the years. It's very sexual, that has turned some people off, there's a lot of language, and it's just horrible, horrible people trying to screw each other over. Is that a fair way to assess this movie? Yeah, it's the antiheroes before the antihero, you know, movement. Now, how did the Cruelty to Animals subplot go over to you as an 11-year-old seeing it for the first time?
1: I I think I I, I was okay with it because of how almost slapstick the humor is. It's all mm-hmm. over the top, and even, even when I watched it back, I was just dying at all this, knowing what was coming and just seeing how Kind of absurdist it was how how they treated the animal cruelty scenes in question. Um, I I just I I thought it was funny because I didn't think that it was real. I guess I kind of separated everything from that at the time.
0: Yeah, but I have known people, and even to this day I know people that will not enjoy this movie because they cannot handle scenes of little dogs being murdered, which <laughs> it's it's not done in a violent way. There's no torture, but if you do want to see a movie where a dog is crushed by a falling crate, <laughs> this is you're gone with the wind.
1: <laughs> That's not even the one that I laughed at the most, to be perfectly
0: honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it the,
1: the car that did it for you? No, the the, the first one, the, do- the dog, yeah, just <laughs> completely just you know hit and run you know snag and just running off with the dog it just it just got me so like especially since it was first like it just made me laugh so hard
0: you know the first time is always the most special (laughs) that's what they say (laughs) but yeah this is something I brought up on my podcast about horror movies that I always say they have to kill a dog to show that the horror the the filmmaker had balls so if they can like in Jaws and Halloween and I think uh, in uh, drag me to hell they go for a little cat so I always appreciate when a filmmaker will go there this movie has the balls to kill not one but two but three innocent little dogs in the most horrible ways so right off the bat I'm just warning people about that if you've never seen this movie those to me are the standout scenes perhaps they will not be to you different strokes for different folks (laughs) okay so i'll give people a little backstory again this movie is british as pj pointed out and that's kind of astounding for me because i don't necessarily like british comedy in general are you a british comedy fan
1: i really haven't had a, a real taste into it this is kind of like the furthest i've really gotten into anything of um of John Cleese's work, um, not by, by choice, but mostly I just never went to go so- seek it out. Uh, so this is basically all I really have as a well, this and, um, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Those are the two kind of um, two uh, pillars of my knowledge of British comedy.
0: OK, yeah, I was going to ask about Monty Python. So you have seen at least seen Holy Grail. Yeah. All right. So the most the rest of your time in your childhood, you were too busy down in Southie hanging out with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon.
1: Just, what, just doing what normal kids do.
0: <laughs> just putting your burger on layaway? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was a pull out of nowhere. Where do I remember that from? Okay. So, yeah. So this is a British movie written by John Cleese and directed by Charles Crichton. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Do you know? I, I think that sounds right. I'm not 100% on that either. Okay. But yeah, he was like a big shot British director, did a lot of classic comedies and I know I, I I should know more about this, but I don't. This was like his last comedy he ever did in his career, and they were so worried about his age that John Cleese kinda co-directed it. So this movie is a combination between of, of the two of them.
1: Yeah, I saw that this is his last movie and then like you said, John Cleese kind of directed it on the fly and ended up, you know, being a masterpiece. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it's kind of a British high, British American hybrid. So that's like I don't love I, li- I like some Monty Python stuff. I don't love all of it, but that's why this one spoke to me at the time because it's a British movie. But there's a lot of American sensibilities of the Americans crapping on British people and the British people crapping on Americans. So there's a lot of uh, tit for tat. I would say it's equal equal offender. Uh, sorry, equal opportunity offenders. They're just slinging insults at each other all movie
1: yeah that doesn't they don't take each other too seriously which helps add to the uh, to the comedy aspect
0: yes and now i will summarize this movie why people should love it more and i will say when john cleese sat down to write the screenplay and again it's a pretty simple screenplay it's just four jewel thieves try to pull off a heist and the minute the heist is over they all try to screw each other over and and get the money for themselves it's a very simple plot but he he was like you know what i would like to do I would like to write a movie where all the characters have this one thing that's the most important to them and can never happen to them. Like, there's one character in the movie, Otto, never wants to be called stupid. He he prides his intellect. There's a guy named Archie who's a lawyer who's British and proper and is absolutely terrified of embarrassment. And there's another guy, Ken, who's an animal lover, a gentle, sensitive type who loves animals above all else, cannot handle anything bad happening to them. And John Cleese is like, let's just have their worst fear happen to them all repeatedly through the entire movie over and over and over, and it'll be so embarrassing and awkward to watch. (laughs) And there you go. That's why this is my favorite, because it's a horribly mean movie. (laughs) And then we have our fourth character, the only, the one smart character in the movie, the only one who knows who's going on, what's going on. This is Jamie Lee Curtis in one of her earliest com- comedies, playing Wanda the Jewel Thief. And uh, yeah, she's kind of the, the, the person all the other action rotates around. She's the one driving everything and everyone else is doing punchlines. Now, this does lead me to a question, PJ. Who is your favorite character in this movie?
1: Oh, it's Otto. I, when,
0: I, when I started writing down notes for this, I literally
1: just couldn't stop writing everything that Kevin Klein was doing.
0: <laughs> now, I know you prepped a lot of Kevin Klein stuff for this podcast. Why don't you fill people in who may not know why it was such a big deal that Kevin Klein was in this movie? I'm not
1: 100% sure why it was a big deal why he was in this movie. I know that he was um, – this ended up being his his first and only Oscar nomination, mm-hmm. and I could see why being um, – and he ended up actually getting a nomination for the BAFTA which is the basically the British Oscars which for for somebody who's american that's you know to make that leap over to 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 them especially in a british film is notable and somebody who they really recognize as a true tour de force it, it's just he just owns the movie despite being in this quote unquote supporting capacity to the story um Everything that he says and everything that he does, it just, it, it, it is for the comedy sake of the film. And it's something that there's most of the quotes that I've mentioned that has been floated around in our, in, in our, my family that since we saw this movie, it's basically all auto between, you know, asshole his his final confrontation with, with Ken and his final confrontation with Archie. It, it, it's Everything that, that he does is something that's memorable and something that sticks with you as you as you move along through the movie and afterwards.
0: Now, what kind of auto quotes were you guys flinging around at the dinner table at each other? I'm curious now. Well, don't call me stupid. OK.
1: Um, his, his, his ability to struggle to apologize. Um, he, were, he would basic, basically have his own stutter when he tried to apologize. And um, oh, what was the other one that we have sucking. Oh, no, it was uh, asked, oh disappointed when when they open up the safe it disappointed <laughs> that's something that we would just just yell out whenever something like that would happen um and then as we got older the asshole signature came out more and more as as we as me and my two younger brothers got older how
0: often did touch his dick and he's dead come up not not as often as you would think <laughs> so wait a minute you said this is the only oscar nomination kevin klein has ever had
1: Yeah, and I was looking through, like, the the, the comedy sector uh, does not get respected as much in the Academy, so the fact that he even got something from that and then won against, you know, the likes of Alec Guinness, Martin Landau, and River Phoenix is uh, is truly showing off of a a true presence on the screen that cannot be topped.
0: Wow, yeah, it's tough to beat Obi-Wan Kenobi at comedy. (laughs) (laughs) no okay but i will i'm still astounded this is his only oscar nomination because for years he has been one of my favorite actors kevin klein is widely known as one of the greatest actors of his generation for people who don't know his history he was a stage actor he's a american stage actor did a ton of shakespeare and stage stuff very well respected dramatic actor could do voices could do singing And then this is one of the rare times he crossed over into movies and he did a comedy. And if you have not seen this movie, Kevin Klein takes comedy to a new level in this movie. He is so over the top. Like he's it's a silly little sidekick comedy role, but he plays it like a Shakespearean actor, the way he reads his lines and some of his takes. And it's so over the top, and he won an Oscar for this, rightly so. Like it's it's amazing. It's one of the best funny the one of the funniest comedy performances I've ever seen in a movie. But this is not your typical Kevin Klein movie. Usually he's a lot more reserved in movies.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the big the big chill is the one that came to mind where he's kind of a, I feel like he's a little more reserved and it's more of he's more of an, a, a piece in an ensemble, kind of like this one. But he's not um, he's not the same. And then obviously his debut feature, you know, the comedy itself, Sophie's Choice, where
0: <laughs> that was a funny one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. That, OK, so but you, you said he's part of an ensemble like. It's kind of legendary, I don't know if you've heard these stories, that Kevin Klein is so over the top in this movie and so funny that the other actors could not keep a straight face around him. That Jamie Lee Curtis, I've read, historically is an easy laugh. She's always giggling in movies. And if you watch this movie, you can repeatedly see her trying not to laugh when Klein is delivering his lines. I don't know, have you ever seen that?
1: I hadn't seen that, but it makes a lot of sense because I had to stop the movies at a couple points because I was laughing so much and I didn't want to make sure that I I had a... Comprehensive note taking of the of the movie.
0: <laughs> yes, especially it's especially prominent in the scene. We'll get to it. The uh, orgasm scene where he's on top of her banging away like a pile driver, and he gets the goofiest look on his face. And if you look, you can see Jamie Lee Curtis hide her head in a pillow. She's trying not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of laughter i will give people the number one trivia fact about this movie why i think this is probably the best comedy of all time this backs it up this is the only movie i have ever heard of pj that when one guy was watching it and when it first came out in theaters he laughed so hard he died in the theater
1: he died of a heart attack they died (laughs) that's that's yeah that's incredible like it's it's just a laugh laugh, um I remember uh, in Parks and Recreation, they have something similar to this where uh, the Jim O'Hare's character, Jerry Gergich, is basically the um, the 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 basically the village idiot who gets taken jokes out of. He gets scared in one scene and he basically farts himself to the hospital. (laughs) That's how that's how that's all I can think about now when you like you have like a laugh attack. It's just something that's so absurd that can get you into serious medical care.
0: Yeah, and for people who think we're making this up, this is a true story. It was reported in the papers. It's all over the trivia section for A Fish Called Wanda. There's documentation that a guy laughed so hard at the chip-up-the-nose scene that he died. <laughs> Which, that's not personally the funniest scene in the movie to me. I'm not sure why that one got him and some of the other ones didn't. But they they should have splashed that tagline all over the posters for this movie. This movie is so funny, it kills people.
1: Which is funny because, the whole, the, because they use the... Um... The lineup for the poster So you would think that they would kind of lean into that where basically you can say like which one of them got him got him to you know <laughs> yes. like you can, you can really like there's so many things that you can do with that with that uh with the poster of, of, of the, five, the four people in the lineup
0: <laughs> okay so once again i will say this is a movie for some reason not as beloved as other movies of the 80s even though it should be i just had a uh interesting conversation a guy who's much younger than me he's like you know I'm 24, 25, and I love A Fish Called Wanda. And he's like, this movie should be like one of those huge meme movies. Like everybody posts pictures of it and memes with quotes from the movie. Like it's Clue or Arrested Development with Lucille Bluth. Like this movie is so memeable, and he's shocked that it never really happened. What are are your thoughts on that? Do you think this would be a good meme movie for a younger generation?
1: Yeah, it absolutely was. I'm actually – I would think that this would be a perfect, you know – a gif movie where you basically have like these different, like, like they mentioned like the, 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 the chip up the nose scene. Like that's that, that is in Like if you separate that from everything else, like that's a really funny kind of scene where you can just kind of like put that up there. And, and then like you see at the end where you, the, where George yells, you bitch. Like that's like, that's something that is relatable that you can just rip from it, put the text underneath and just completely use it in any context. It should have it should have it should have a life of its own where where people kind of go back and look at it and just be like using all these different clips of of Otto and, and Ken and 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 just use their, and just just even if you just use their interactions alone like their interaction every interaction that they have has some sort of memeable moment that you can kind of look at and be like that's something that I can take away from it use it in basically any context and and use it and, and get people to laugh.
0: So what you're saying is what the Internet needs more of is more George Francis Thomason memes. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the brief moments that George gets in the
1: movie, he does the un believable is another one of those where that's something that you can just rip. You take that whatever that three, five seconds and just you put that into into Twitter and that should be something that gets used over and over again, <laughs> regardless if people understand the context of it.
0: Yeah, so that that is my plea that more young people should seek out this movie and turn it into memes because, like, not only do I think this is the best comedy of all time, I don't think it's any even close. I can't think of another movie that has as, much, as many funny scenes in this movie as this movie. And, like, the other thing about A Fish Called Wanda is, again, I study comedy for a living. I just do this every day. I'm always looking for jokes. A Fish Called Wanda is so flawless when you look at the timing of the scenes. It cuts well, so well together. And, like, there's a couple scenes we'll get to when we delve through it. It's just, it's like a little comedy dance. The players are dancing around the scene, bouncing off each other. And I'm just in awe. And I was in awe at, like, 14 when I first saw it. I'm in awe now in my mid-40s. And again, I've never seen a person who dislikes this movie. So this, to me, should be considered the best comedy of the 80s, and I will not rest until it is known as that. Well,
1: hopefully this is the first step towards that process.
0: Yes. this. We have a lot with my hundred listeners we were going <laughs> to take over the world. You know what, PJ? It will be unbe-fucking-leavable. <laughs> All right. So are you ready to delve into this surprisingly intricate movie of just four jewel thieves? Yes. Let's go. All right, so here we go. Fish called Wanda, kind of a sleeper hit in America. Came over from England. Reached number one at one point in the U.S., but it took six weeks to do it, which that's not the way movies work anymore. But this one eventually made word of mouth, became legendary. It like uh, led to a bunch of good stuff for all these actors. Kevin klein won an Oscar. Jamie Lee Curtis was in a lot more big movies. So here we go. It is the story of four jewel thieves, and I will leave it to you, PJ. Let's. as we open the movie, we meet our four intrepid heroes. Who are they?
1: We have uh, gangster George Thomason, his right hand man Ken, c- 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 Ken, uh, George's girlfriend. I guess they don't she's really. Put ev- a label. She's everybody's girlfriend. Yeah, they don't really put a label on it. But Wanda Ger- Gershwitz, which is you know that's something I know that you feel like John Cleese kind of put in like, give me something is so stereotypical. You know, give me a stereotypical Jewish name, Gershwitz. That's perfect. We'll go with that. And then uh, um, her, her uh, their lover, uh, Wanda's lover, who they who she feigns as her brother, Otto, played by played by Kevin Klein.
0: Now it's funny. I always say there's four characters in this movie, but there's really five. I always forget there's four jewel thieves, and then there's Archie the lawyer, who is the fifth, who's actually technically the fourth member. So okay, so yeah, we have George Thomason. One of my favorite trivia bits in the movie. Have you ever caught this? The 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 lead villain in this movie is a, a jewel thief named George Thomason, and he's played by an actor named Tom Georgeson. Oh, I did not. I'm looking at it now. Oh, my. That is that is fantastic. <laughs> that has made me laugh for years. That's, that.
1: There's no way that's an accident. When you hire somebody named Tom Georgeson, you, you immediately say, like, we need to make his name as backwards as possible so they just completely flip his name like that just doesn't seem like they that doesn't seem like it's that that seems very purposeful
0: yeah and what's funny is they never point out that joke in the movie you just have to look at the credits to notice that (laughs) tom george is george thompson
1: they do that early on too like they 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 put the names of everybody like right next to their character and 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 nobody really seems to make a a big deal about it. unless
0: until you brought it up to me now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so George is in the movie. He's not in it that much. But as PJ said, he has some great scenes. But the real meat of the movie is between his girlfriend, Wanda, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who, again, if, if Otto hadn't stolen all this movie, Jamie Lee Curtis would have stole it. She, stolen it. She's amazing. And then her boyfriend, Otto, and they're planning this jewel heist. And basically, Otto, Kevin Klein has been brought in as a weapons expert. They need somebody from the CIA with weapons skills, and they're going to pull off this heist. And immediately after the heist is over, they're all going to turn on each other because they're all con artists, except for the saddest character in the movie, poor Ken, as PJ called him, K-K-K-Ken. ken is because this is Michael Palin playing the sweethearted Ken, the animal lover, who has a horrible, horrible stutter that will be made fun of repeatedly throughout the movie, to the point, I don't know if you'd heard about this, PJ, that Michael Palin felt horrible afterwards because people said he was mean to stuttering people, and he actually opened the, I think, the House of Stammering Children in England that he's dedicated his whole life to helping kids with stammers because he felt bad.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big, uh, the the low hanging fruit of this movie is that basically the jokes that are made towards his stutter. I think he plays it off well, and I applaud him for, you know, trying to turn that into a positive. But I think that he plays it off well that he doesn't seem like that he's, he's trying to be genuine about it more than playing it off for laughs like everybody else seems to be.
0: Yeah, and he is the one true hearted, kind character in this movie. Although you can make the argument for Archie, this is John Cleese, the lawyer, he will be dragged into all this, but Ken is really the heart of this movie, and again, all the horrible things in the movie will happen to him just because John Cleese knew as a screenwriter it would be way funnier if it happens to poor Ken.
1: Yeah, the heart of the movie is either the right hand man of the gangster or the adulterous lawyer in London, you know. Your your normal your character types that you know you go to
0: when you're to find a, a good heart for the movie. Just like in most comedies, it's a perfect Sophie's choice. (laughs) Okay, so the movie opens in George's flat in London as they're planning the robbery. And this first scene I always notice is very fast-paced. They're throwing a lot of information at you. And this is the scene where Kevin Kline comes in and Jamie Lee Curtis says, Oh, this is my brother, Otto. And he immediately squeezes her boob. And like, if you don't know, like young PJ, that they're not actually brother and sister, you think there's a subplaced incest subplot. But I'm just <laughs> reinforcing to people they are not actually related. They will bang many times in this movie. There is no relation, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those little off things. Those little,
0: uh,
1: you know, that Kevin Klein just improv on the on the scene, and they they loved it, and that's what kind of got the ball rolling for his
0: performance. And. One minute into the movie, okay, 30 seconds into the movie, Kevin Kline walks and he plays Otto, this horrible hitman, and he meets Ken, the poor stutterer. And I can never get through this scene without laughing because the look on Kevin Kline's face when he realizes (laughs) Otto stutters, just this look of pure horror that he has to talk to somebody with a stutter, and Kevin Kline is so over the top. And throughout the entire movie, Kevin Kline will mock poor Ken, and he will make fun of his stutter and his stammer. And this is the thing that always made me laugh as a kid. He finishes Ken's sentences for him, which always makes me laugh because he picks the weirdest words to use. This is
1: also the scene where he, he first alludes to eating the fish, right? He, he references what kind of meal he would want with the, with the fish.
0: Yes. Okay. For people who have not seen this movie, Ken, the animal lover, has a fish tank, his beloved fish tank, lots of fish in there, including his prize, Wanda, who he was named after Jamie Lee Curtis's character. It's kind of confusing, but this is Ken's pride and joy. He loves animals. And right from the start of the movie, Otto makes a joke that he would like to eat Ken's fish. (laughs) And if you know anything about this movie, that's exactly what will happen. He will eat these fish later just to torture Ken. All right. So what else? We meet George here and they're planning out the uh, robbery. And what is their plan? I kind of forget what the details of their plan are.
1: I feel like it's just like a smash and grab kind of, you know, they've they, they seen somebody as a weapon because they need um, when we see the actual robbery, they need somebody to trigger the door on the safe, which Otto uses with the, I guess, portable crossbow, for the lack of a better word to open up the, the safe and get all the diamonds that they're trying to get inside uh, the safe.
0: Yeah, this is a big heist. This is, I think, 13 million pounds or something of jewelries, which is equal to 20 million American dollars. So, like, this is a huge heist. They're about to pull off, and they're going to split up after they get the jewels, hide the jewels, meet at the airport, grab the jewels, and fly out. It's all very intricate, and again, it will all fall to pieces because they're all con artists, and it's never going to work. But this is their plan, although the highlight of this first scene is just them hashing out the details and Ken mercilessly being mocked by Otto because Otto hates the fact that he loves animals and he stutters and he's British, which are three things that Kevin Klein hates.
1: They think they're so superior.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's one line again where Kevin Klein is always repeating or always finishing Michael Palin's sentences. There's one where. I just, I have so many quotes in this movie, I apologize to people already, I'm just going to quote my favorite things over and over, where Kevin Klein goes up to uh, Michael Palin and is like, so you really love animals, Ken, what's the attraction? And Ken's like, well, you can trust them, and they don't, shh, 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 and, and Kevin Klein says, shit on you? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
0: and my, Michael Palin eventually goes, show off all the time, <laughs> it's just, I just love his little improvs of Kevin Klein finishing the sentence with the most inappropriate thing possible. <laughs> but yes, that's the dynamic that that Otto immediately hates Ken will hate him throughout the rest of the movie, although it's just a subset of Otto hating everything British in I mean every possible aspect of British culture up to and including Ken.
1: I mean he's nothing but consistent.
0: He is. that's the thing with Kevin Klein. He's a solid character. He hates everybody so we've met all our jewel thieves they're getting ready to pull off their heist and now we meet the other important character in this movie archie leach a a barrister as some in america would know as a lawyer explain archie and his relationship with his wife and daughter to people
1: it's uh it's your state-of-the-art you know failing marriage where he's kind of just wandering off his porsche who's played by actually by uh, John Cleese's actual daughter in the film. Um, yeah, that's is, his
0: daughter in the movie. Yeah.
1: is basically just being a brat about about her horse. How about she wants a different horse for her competition? And, and basically, Archie just hates his life beyond, you know, his work. And his, when he gets home, it's basically just he's becomes the, the third wheel of the third most important person in the house.
0: Yes, and this is a fantastic John Cleese creation. This is Archie, the uptight, pompous lawyer, who his wife and his daughter walk all over him, talk crap about him all the time. His daughter is a spoiled brat and like PJ said, that's John Cleese's actual daughter, playing Portia, and his wife, Wendy. Now, PJ... This is my wife. My wife's favorite character in this movie is Wendy because she's so perfect. She just nitpicks her husband to death in that British accent. Are you a, are you a, a Wendy fan? She's perfectly British for this
1: movie. Uh and she has she has that like I feel like I've recognized her from like other types of roles. Like she her her type of character is something that's relatable it's across pretty much every movie you have this doting wife that's kind of a nag, but like she's kind of got her own little sharp wit about her. That she gets to show off, like where she has scenes with Kevin Klein, uh, um, and then at the end, obviously when she confronts Archie, she really uh, gets the upper hand. So I really liked the the character itself because she really seems to kind of twist the narrative of her being like this this wife that kind of doesn't understand what's going on from her husband, but she kind of brings a a, a wit and a British drawl to it that really uh, adds the humor.
0: She's great. I was just reading, they had like uh, the British Oscars, Academy Awards, I forget what they're called, BAFTAs, is that the yes. name of it? She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this movie. Maria Aitken is her name, yeah. She, she's great. Yeah, she, my, my wife loves her. She's so funny. Every line that comes out of Wendy's mouth makes us laugh, and I will share this one, hopefully this will make people laugh, is that... There's there's one repeated refrain in this movie is that Archie and Wendy have a spoiled daughter, Portia, and Portia is forever whining about her nose or a once thing a new horse or she's just a little, you know, she's just a spoiled brat. And every so often the mom will just say, oh, do shut up, Portia. <laughs> my wife and I used to do that I, the, when, when we were when we first had kids. I know you, you just had a baby, right? You guys have a newborn.
1: Yes, we have a two year old and a newborn.
0: When our daughter was like a year to three years old, she was kind of lippy and she was always sassing us. And whenever my wife and I got annoyed with her, we just kind of turned to each other and say, oh, do shut up, Portia. (laughs) So this movie made – kept my wife and I sane during the hellish baby boot camp years. (laughs) So just a little parenting tip if you want to start including that in your parenting.
1: I'll try my best.
0: (laughs) So okay, so this is Archie, and he will become very integral to this plot, even though life has crapped on his head and he has no joy in his life whatsoever. His wife and his daughter hate him, so just remember that. All right, so we'll go for the robbery. So walk us through the robbery. I know it's a pretty quick scene, but it, you get a lot of action here.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of uh, um, a lot of action. Like you say, like I said before, our, uh, Otto turns off the safe. They and then afterwards he goes to basically. Uh, he basically distracts or, or terrorizes the the hostages by doing the, the Robin hood apple on top of the head trick. I believe that's from, I believe that's from Robin hood. It's either while, that or
0: William Tell. I'm not sure which one.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't, I couldn't tell you the, the, the base of it, but then basically is you see Ken and George go in and basically grab all the diamonds and with Jamie Lee Curtis waiting outside in her own male, male drag, I guess for a black, lack of a better term uh, in the getaway car and, they, and then they go and switch cars, um, and they split up, and, and then basically leads to the, the the beginning of the duplicitous nature of all well, Otto, um, Wanda, and, and, and George.
0: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they rob the bank, they pull off all of these jewels, or so they, they pull off this amazing jewel heist, and this is the one other important part of the scene that I think people forget about, that there's a witness to the crime. Now, PJ, who is the lone witness to this crime who will become very important to the story later?
1: Our favorite uh, little little woman—I uh, can't remember what her name of the character is now off the top of my head. Oh, here it is, Eileen Cody, um, <laughs> with her three little—they look like Yorkshire terriers if I had to guess—but based the dogs, but basically they try and get away, and she is walk, trying to walk through the this crosswalk and sees uh, George's face uh, in the in the out and uh while they hit the brakes and basically they speed off and and they basically she becomes the only witness is somebody who an accidental witness to the to the crime because they were just about getting away and she would happen to be at the either the right place or the wrong place depending on the point of view you have <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's the point of this movie. Again, this movie will devolve into horribleness eventually, that this little old woman with three dogs is the only witness to the crime. And eventually, because she's the only witness, George will hire Ken to go murder her and silence her so there's no more witnesses. But Ken, in a delicious British twist, the animal lover, will only end up accidentally killing her dogs one at a time. (laughs)
1: Well they, they, they and I remember that they, they mentioned during the depo- the the original deposition that she has they mentioned that she has a heart condition. So it, it should be hypothetically it should be easier for Ken to kill the wit to kill Eileen because mm-hmm. of everything that she has going on. Basically they just she's just they're just trying to scare her. Okay. They're not trying to actually make it they might try to make it more look like an accident more than an actual, actual like murder, but because, like you said, because of how this movie is set up and how Ken is set up as a character, it's, it's never going to be as simple as that.
0: <laughs> and Eileen Cody is great. She's just this snippy little old woman, and she will have a couple scenes. And I think John Cleese once said she was the only actress in the movie who none of her scenes were ever cut or edited because she was so funny. They just left them in verbatim every time.
1: Yeah, she, it seems like it's a very naturalistic role for her. She just completely, in the, the, the couple scenes that she has, she completely owns it. And it, it, it's just really funny to see her, her, just her reacting to everything that's going on around her.
0: <laughs> and, of course, in keeping with the tradition of the movie, again, it's all just American people crapping on the British and British people crapping on the Americans. The minute they rob the, uh, the bank, they're driving away and Kevin Klein announces – I love robbing the English. They're so polite.
1: They're so polite.
0: <laughs> now that's a meme. Come on, meme people. Turn that into a meme.
1: It uh, really, really shows it off. Oh, it shows off his, uh, his anglophobe side really early on.
0: I have to say, when I was in uh, high school, I had a girlfriend who loved England and British stuff. And I used to quote this movie all the time, and I'd make fun of British stuff. And she would get so annoyed so that relationship did not work. But I chose, like Jerry Seinfeld in The the Stomach Gurgling, I chose the joke over the relationship. I chose to keep <laughs> quoting the movie over true love. <laughs> so just wanted to throw that out there. That's my commitment to comedy for you people.
1: <laughs> sometimes sometimes it depends on what lemon you want to squeeze which that has more juice in it. I think you chose the right one. <laughs> yes.
0: All right. So now we go to all the double crossings. So. What happens is, I'm gonna to try to help hope hopefully I can get this right because the whole plot of the movie hinges on you. It's like a shell game, you have to know exactly where the loot is at all times. They hide the loot in this little safe house, but before they can leave, George sneaks back in there, takes the loot, and hides it somewhere else without them knowing. So all of a sudden George has hidden the loot somewhere in a mystery location. Otto and Wanda go back to their flat, they call the cops. In a scene that always makes me makes me laugh because Kevin Klein pulls out his British voice when he's calling the cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't possibly do it justice. Can you do a Kevin Klein impression? Are you oh, that brave? Oh no,
1: I can't, I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to try and attempt to do that. That's just going to come off really bad.
0: <laughs> Okay, yeah. Uh, 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 pardon me, I'd like to trouble you to know that the Hatton Garden robbery was pulled off by George Francis Thomason. <laughs> it's, it's very perfect. Kevin Klein is so good at accents. Way better than I could just do. But we do learn another side detail here that Otto can also speak Italian, and Jamie Lee Curtis gets incredibly turned on whenever he speaks Italian. Like in the comic, to a comic level where she will, later in the movie, like almost masturbating to the fact that he is speaking, that people speak foreign languages to her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> plus, plus. If you actually look into the, what the words that he's saying, he says Parmigiano a lot, like a yes. lot, a lot. Like, and it's in the script. I looked it up afterwards because I wanted to see if that was if Kevin Klein was ad libbing his own Italian or if it was actually written. That's actually written by by John Cleese. Like, he it's it's something that he put some thought into at least in, on a on some level. It's probably a little bit of both, but like his his his, his Italian and his faux Italian is just. Uh, one of my favorite little, like little in jokes that you see throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, that that is that will happen throughout the movie. Kevin Klein, ostensibly speaking Italian to turn on Wanda, but he's just spouting off Italian food names. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny when you listen to it. Yeah, I, I think I, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. But I, back when I was in college, I loved this movie so much. I tried to transcribe it. Because there was no internet back then. There's no like internet movie database. You can't look up a script. I wanted to be able to memorize this movie inside and out. So I tried to watch it and transcribe it into a Word document where I could just write the script, basically. But I got really thrown off with Wendy, the wife, because I cannot understand half the things she says. They're way too British for me. But then Otto as well. When you start getting into his spe- spewing off Italian, I'm like, this is too hard. So I never actually got past this scene in my transcription because it's too hard. <laughs> Also, I should point out, I am Italian, so that does not bode well for my language abilities. <laughs> okay, so the so Otto and Wanda turn in George. George gets arrested, but George has hid the loot, so they don't know where the loot is. And George has a key to a safe deposit box. He puts it in the fish food. He tells Ken to get the fish food later. So basically, everybody now knows one part of where the jewels are, but nobody knows all the parts. But now George is in jail, and now nobody trusts each other. And it culminates in a scene where Wanda and Otto go to steal the jewels out of the safe. And right before they pull them out, Wanda, she pulls out a little baton. What is that, like a little metal stick or
1: something? it's uh, um, It's some sort of police Tool looks like it. Some sort of, um, yeah, baton, I guess is the best way to put it. Some sort of nightstick that she, that she seems to have. But it seems like okay. it's made out of some sort of like hard metal, like maybe it's some sort of lead pipe, I would guess. Considering it basically knocks out Otto later in the
0: movie. <laughs> yes. So Wanda, as the smartest person in the movie, has determined the minute she and Otto go back to the safe, she's going to knock, she's going to use him to crack the safe. Then she's going to knock him over the head, take the jewels and escape with it all herself. And she raises the stick to do it right behind Kevin Klein's head. But then they open the safe and it's empty. George has taken the loot. And oh, now they're screwed. And, This is where we get the scene that you talked about, the disappointed scene, right? Yeah, and then
1: Kevin Klein shoots the safe and says that that's how he thinks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Klein is furious that George has stolen the loot that he was going to steal himself, and he utters the phrase What do you have to do to make people trust you? He says, I'm disappointed. <laughs> it's just just a wonderful Kevin Klein outburst here. Although, I think we skipped over the scene when they're driving to the safe, and we learned the other little quote about Kevin Klein is that, A, he cannot drive on the on the left side of the road in England because he always crashes into people, and he gets mad every time, and he has a refrain. Now, 11-year-old PJ, who was spouting this at his dinner table, what does Kevin Klein yell at the British drivers who he thinks are on the wrong side of the road? Asshole! Yes, if there's one quote to take away from this movie, it's Kevin Kline repeatedly driving on the wrong side of the road, getting mad at British drivers, and screaming, Asshole! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here we go. So George is in jail, and the whole plot has been unraveled, because they're all trying to screw each other. And now, this is where George meets up with his lawyer, Archie. This is John Cleese, the pompous, upright lawyer, and, uh what happens here they they kind of go over the george's case and i think wanda comes to visit cuz wanda's trying to figure out where the loot is or something yeah
1: they're going over his alibi and they the little the little one of these little offhand jokes uh, is that um they say that his alibi will be corroborated by his i think it's his niece georgina it's just like one of those little lines that I didn't pick up the last time, like last couple of times I, I re- watched it and I, and I heard it and I just started laughing. I'm like, of course, like a mo- like a gangster lawyer would have some sort of like ridiculous, over the top kind of alibi like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Wanda, Jamie Lee Curtis, pops up in jail to try to appeal to George. Like, he doesn't know that she has turned him in. He thinks Otto has turned him in, so Jamie Lee Curtis is there. And she's like, are you sure the the, the safe house is a good place for the jewels? He's like, trust me, I put them somewhere else. And so Wanda's screwed. Jamie, like... Uh, George will not tell her any information about the loot that because she's with Otto, her brother, he doesn't trust this is going down. So Wanda, who is always one for a good scheme or a good caper decides, well, if I can't get the information from my boyfriend, George, I will throw myself at his lawyer instead. And so here comes some of the best comic scenes in the movie with flirty, um, voluptuous, aggressive Wanda flinging herself at this pompous, upright, uptight lawyer, Archie, who has no idea what he's in for. Yeah. And claiming to be an American law student, you know, like,
1: and I'm looking up her looking up her age. She was she Jamie Lee Curtis is is a beautiful woman, but I wouldn't have guessed her to be somebody in her mid 20s going to law at the time of of this movie. Yeah,
0: she she uh, purports to be a law groupie where she follows famous lawyers and wants to sleep with them. (laughs) Yeah, she's
1: she's really into British law. She's really, you know, she's, she she's like, she's like following the, the grateful dead. She really is just trying to follow one barrister to another in, the, in London.
0: Yeah. And so this is, again, when I was a kid, I loved the scene where she goes up to John Cleese. And again, she is, pretending that she is this law groupie who follows these lawyers around and, and studies them. And she's like, oh, you're my favorite. I love the way you cross-examine. And, and the, she literally presses her breasts right up against him as they're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny to watch John Cleese try to respond to this. And then she asks him for an autograph. And I just love this scene where <laughs> where he signs his name and he kind of scribbles it and she looks at it. She's like, I knew it. You're Archie Leash <laughs> And he's like, Leech. She's like, yeah, Lee, you're my favorite.
1: <laughs> I just love her delivery in that whole scene. And how she just completely uses vagaries and gets Archie to basically give, completely corroborate her, his, her story by basically just completely giving him the, the least amount of information and him just filling in those blanks.
0: Yeah, surprisingly, this middle-aged, uptight British lawyer has never had a groupie before. He's not really sure how to <laughs> respond to this. <laughs> and again this is very very british style comedy just take someone who is uptight and has no idea how love works and have a very aggressive woman come on to him and just watch john cleese try to react to it and we'll see this over and over throughout the rest of the movie as he is repeatedly humiliated <laughs> now i guess we should point out for some of our older listeners the name archie leach is i believe the actor carrie grant's real name it was like a John Cleese says this is his tribute to Cary Grant, the actor. I, I used his real name as my name, so not sure if you would even know who that is.
1: I do know who Cary I, – I I know the name Cary Grant, and I did see that piece of trivia. Um, I'm not I, – I, I couldn't tell you what he's in, but I know he's part of that old Hollywood um, 1930s, 1940s era of um, basically leading men.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's one of the inside jokes in this movie that he's – Using Cary Grant's real name, and then Tom Georgeson is George Thomason. Those are the, those, those are the name jokes you kind of have to know about. But, uh, yeah, so Archie, John Cleese, has no idea how to respond to this beautiful young woman hitting on him. And she, uh, she asked for an autograph, and she's going to meet him later and try to seduce him. And it will lead to some of the best comedy in the movie, because Wanda just wants to know where the jewels are. She thinks George will tell his lawyer. So it will lead to a comedy of errors later down the road. All right. We're about to go to the first bit of conflict scene between Otto and Ken here, or at least the, the, the next big scene. This is where Wanda and Otto go back to the flat. They're trying to figure out more information, how they're going to get info on where the jewels are. And they run into Ken there. And this is where Wanda and Otto are banging. or about to bang on the on the bed, right? And Ken walks in.
1: Yeah, uh, Ken's coming. I think Ken is also coming back from, from talking to George after he found the, the key— um, and he then where he ends up putting it into the treasure chest, and, and Otto goes back to his, his classic move of speaking Italian in, in George's bedroom in his flat and trying to get Wanda to have sex with him on the bed.
0: <laughs> and this is one of the more famous scenes in the movie where Otto will mock Ken Stetter while talking to Ken's fish, where he walks and he sees the fish tank, he's like, Hello k- 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 kens p puppets <laughs> He goes, wake up limey fish and he starts hitting this little <laughs> scoop on the on the, the, the water to torture the poor fish. <laughs> Just that's gotta be an improvisation, a Kevin Klein improvisation there.
1: Yeah, it has to be.
0: <laughs> so then we talk about where Wanda starts talking about she's like, Oh, you know, I, I like this lawyer guy, he's kinda cute. And <laughs> Kevin Klein gets jealous. That's another thing, he will get jealous immediately. He's like, What is this, humpa limey week? And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, no, thanks. I'm not into necrophilia. (laughs) So I'm guessing you did not get that joke when you were 10. No,
1: that's not something that I didn't understand at that that
0: time, too, either. Okay, so here comes this great moment where there he's speaking Italian to Jamie Lee Curtis in the bedroom. Michael Palin, Ken walks in the flat on the other side and he hears them in the bedroom. And he sees that someone's been messing with his fish and he's suspicious. Like why are a brother and sister in the bedroom and she's got almost no clothes on. So (laughs) Ken walks in to see what's happening. And this is a moment that will always, 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 always make me laugh. Do you know the visual joke here of Kevin Klein sitting on the toilet? This is the one that always gets me. Yeah. He gets, he gets up, looks at the toilet and flushes it. while while completely having his pants still on the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. Kevin Klein is trying to pretend he was taking a crap not having sex with Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Ken walks in and Kevin Klein's sitting on the toilet with his pants all the way up, full clothed, and he stands up and he realizes, oh, I better make this look more real. So he just flushes the toilet real quick. <laughs> it's such a quick little move and it always makes me laugh because it just it's executed so perfectly. <laughs> And again, this is where Kevin Klein is just going over the top with his speech mannerisms, his theater stuff. Or Ken's like, someone turned in George. It's terrible. And, and Kevin Klein's like, when I find the <laughs> bastard that squealed, I love that man. I love that man. <laughs> it's such a theater delivery of that line that nobody else would read the line that way. <laughs> But Ken, the pure-hearted Ken, is still suspicious of these two, why they were scuffling on the bed and why she has no clothes on and why Ken or why uh, Otto tried to poop with his, pant, with his pants pulled up. So quick-thinking Otto tries to save the day and throw Ken off the scent by – now, PJ, what is his tactic here to throw Ken off the scent a little?
1: He comes on to him.
0: That is Otto's master plan. I'm going to come on to Ken and make him think I'm gay and that I'm in love with him, even though I've been mocking him repeatedly every time we talk. (laughs) You're a very attractive man, Ken. You're smart. You've got wonderful bones, great eyes, and you dress really interestingly. We could could have a lot of fun together, you and I. And I think we'd be really good for each other. What do you say? You must be May I kiss you, Ken? No, you fucking cop! Just a pat, no, no time. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there's another little visual scene right here where Kevin Klein corners Ken down in the corner. He's like, "All right, all right, I, I've, I frightened you, okay? You can, we can wait. the The physical side and wait can wait, but just, just think about it, won't you, please?" And Kevin Kline does this little move where he pokes Michael <laughs> Palin's nose, and he, like, spins his finger slowly, seductively, as he pulls it away. It's like, what the hell? It just made me laugh so hard, just the way they act that scene out. <laughs> so what else happens here? So Otto has tried to throw Ken off the scent by telling him he's in love with him, and then Ken goes up in the penthouse and... Jamie Lee Curtis knows that Ken knows something about where this uh, jewel is hidden or where the key is. And there's a scene where she's trying to pretend she's on the phone. So Ken's going inter- to uh, uh, interrupt her when she's on the phone. And she just says, Ken, oh, my God, somebody just called. <laughs> That's believable. And then what happens? He try, she tries to interrogate him and he stutters, right?
1: Yeah, and then she then, this, then she gets it out of him by, by, by coming on to him. as a common theme but in, that, in, the, in the back-to-back scenes.
0: Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis kisses Ken to get him to stop stuttering to reveal that George has moved the loot. So now she knows what's up. She just doesn't know where the loot is. And I should point out, Wanda has now successfully made out with all three male leads in the movie, and she still has yet to make out with the fourth. <laughs> so Wanda gets around in this movie.
1: And then she and then she tells basically puts his, his her finger on his lips just not to tell him every everything. Just just completely controlling him.
0: If there's one person that will have no defense against Wanda, it's poor Ken. Ken Ken is hapless in this movie. <laughs> okay, so here we go. The plot is gonna thicken. Where the bringing the old lady, the witness to the crime, and she identifies George. She's like, uh, "That's him, officer. He's the man who tried to murder my dogs." <laughs> And here we go. There's legitimately about six amazing, fantastic, legendary comedy scenes coming up in this movie. Here's one that I've always loved, where Wanda goes to visit Archie, the lawyer, in his office for the first time to get him to make love to her.
1: Yeah, she's like, oh, my friend George.
0: Yeah, explain this. For people who have never seen this, kind of lay out what her plan is and why she has to change it on the fly.
1: She basically is trying to use her use the case that he's currently using as a hypothetical to kind of uh, try and get information out of out of Archie and Archie's like you know being being the British British lawyer that he is he's like oh I can't talk about that that's that's the case that I'm working on
0: okay if you guys want to know what makes a great comedy scene watch this scene in particular the timing where she realizes she cannot get any information out of Archie so she changes her tactic and says, I want you to make love to me. Please sleep with me. And he's like, really? Like John Cleese is like taken aback. What? Me? Why would you want to sleep with me? And she's kind of trying to convince him. And then at one point, she's about to leave and he picks up the phone. Someone's buzzing him from the intercom. And this old man, one of his clients says, uh, hello, Mr. Leach, blah, blah, blah. And right into into the mouthpiece, Jamie Lee Curtis says, I want you to make love with me. And the old guy on the other end of the phone goes, pardon it's timed so perfectly you could not have done that joke any better just the way she says it the pardon and junkies like no never mind forget that (laughs) so anyway the wanda has planted the seed that she wants to sleep with archie to get information about the jewels but she has to do it cleverly because he's a very proper british lawyer and he will not break any laws she does.
1: She does learn the information as we find out in the next scene. Like she is getting information from Archie. It's just. It's just a, a little slow. Like little. Uh, little bits and pieces uh, that that she's getting to try and piece together the whole. The whole puzzle.
0: Yes. And here we go. The possibly the standout scene in the movie. This is one that everyone tends to remember. The big musical montage. <laughs> this will be a tough one to explain to people who have never seen this before. It, it,
1: it's. It's basically Wanda coming into Otto's wherever he's saying while, while in London. And he's, she's just basically spelling out every, all the information that she's learned from between Ken and Archie. And she's like, thank you, Wanda. So she completely pats herself on the back because Otto's basically just completely no selling everything that Wanda's doing it. He's Hulk Hogan-ing her. Yes. He's like, I know nothing. And then he starts, he goes, Nick's zip, Dick. And then he's like, "Ooh, he use this as an opportunity just to go right back to that Italian, niente." And then, <laughs> and then they go, they cut back and forth between Archie and Wendy's bedroom, their nighttime routine, to Otto and Wanda starting to have, the, basically doing their foreplay. And it's just something that just shows a the the, the relationship that uh, that um the two couples have, but also completely showing why Archie would even entertain the idea of, of sleeping with Wanda in the first place.
0: <laughs> yeah, this scene is just a masterpiece in editing and timing of the juxtaposition as we go back and forth between Otto on top of Wanda, speaking Italian, banging away at her, breathing in and out of her boot, which is always a fun yeah. scene. <laughs> <laughs>
1: somehow, somehow falling in foot Somehow, fully inflating the boot while he while he takes it
0: off. Yeah, (laughs) Kevin Klein really goes for in this scene. I cannot believe Jamie Lee Curtis got through the scene of him overacting every single mannerism and just yeah, smelling his armpit, breathing into her boot, pounding away on top of her like a jackhammer as he bounces up and down (laughs) and and saying Italian, just spewing off Italian words because it turns her on. And then we cut back and forth to Archie and Wendy who sleep in separate beds. There's no sex. It's completely sterile. And their big evening is a telling Portia to shut up about her nose job and John Cleese clipping his toenails.
1: There's, there's, uh, there's a. Uh, doesn't Wendy take out like a, um, uh, some sort of teeth thing too? Is during this, some sort of retainer?
0: Yeah, she has a retainer. She won't get undressed in front of him. There's back hair all over the place. It's this horribly unsexy scene as we cut back and forth to that and Otto and Wanda having the most passionate sex ever. <laughs> and it culminates with Kevin Klein's orgasm face, which again. You have to see this to believe That's where he's on top of Wanda and he climaxes. He looks up right at the camera and he does this move where he crosses his eyes and he kind of sneers his lip and his whole face screws up into the funniest face. Anyway, I'm glad 10 year olds were watching this.
1: (laughs) This is also when, uh, when he first calls Wendy Wanda Right? This is when he's right at the end when they're in their beds.
0: Yeah. At the end of the scene, John Cleese is in his bed. His wife, Wendy's in hers. She's like, good night, Archie. Good night. And he's like, Oh, good night, Wanda. And she's like, "Who?" <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's reading a case. Cause he's accidentally called her Wanda. This girl who wants to sleep with him. He's like, Oh, Oh, I'm just reading some, you know, boring old law case about some lousy old hag. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, this seduction will probably work. He's already fantasizing about Wanda. And then that cut, the,
1: the, he he says that, and then they cut to the Wanda in disguise during the the day in court, which is which I thought was really a really smart job by the editors there, just basically cutting straight to Wanda in her disguise, basically trying to not make herself look like her pretty her her beautiful self.
0: She is indeed a lousy old hag in this scene. Yes. yeah there's the courtroom scene where george's first court hearing he learns the charges will be against him for stealing the jewels he's going to go to jail they have a witness and we learn that eileen cody the one witness has heart problems as pj pointed out and so in the middle of the trial george will slip a note to ken his number one right hand man that basically says please kill eileen cody so, that's Ken's instruction, and also at the trial, Wanda's there, and sl- she slips a note to Archie saying, here's my phone number, please call me. So, a lot of notes being passed in the British court system.
1: Yeah, it seems like that that shouldn't be allowed.
0: I've am not. I, I, I never
1: once had a taken a law class, but I feel like that's a little dicey.
0: <laughs> because of this movie, they passed the Wanda rule, no more note passing. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, and here's the comic twist, that Ken, the little animal lover, has been Tasked with killing the one witness to the crime. Otto sees that note being passed, so Kevin Klein runs out, he intercepts the note, and he finds out that Otto, that Ken is uh, tasked to kill the defense witness. And as usual, he just mocks Ken and he says, There's no way you kill her. I bet you a pound you will not kill this old woman. And Ken's like, You're on. And they start spat, they start uh, arguing. But this will become a bet for the rest of the movie if Ken can actually go through with it and kill this poor old woman.
1: This is another one of those things that gets brought, like, is a more to become an inside joke in my family. It's just I, oh, I bet you one pound. Like it's just it's just so random and like I, I, it just it just became something that stuck with us. Like this bet this bet that basically becomes the entire middle of the movie.
0: Here's the one I bet you didn't say all the time with your brothers. I'm guessing where <laughs> after Canon auto dicker over the price of the bet. Remember. Otto is still trying to pass off that he's gay and in love with Ken. So as Ken's walking away, Otto screams out at the top of his lungs, I love watching your ass when you walk. Is that beautiful or what? Don't go near him! He's mine! <laughs> it's another thing you're not supposed to say right outside the court, The courthouse. <laughs> no. no that, again, the ethics of, of, of the London judicial
1: system is, I think, is put into question here in this movie.
0: And again, Kevin Klein doing a perfect stage reading of that line where he goes way over the top and projects his voice so loudly so once again Kevin Klein he's facing away from the camera too so you
1: can really hear hear his voice as he's speaking literally in the opposite direction of where everything's going where everything's shooting from just really completely taking ownership
0: All right, so from here on out, we have two plot lines. We have Wanda trying to seduce Archie, and Otto will screw it up every single time. And we have Ken trying to kill the defense witness, and he will screw it up every single time. So it is a comedy of errors from here on out. I think we get a scene here where Ken goes to scout out Mrs. Cody's house. Yeah, this is
1: where he gets the the underwear for um, for the first attempt.
0: Okay, yeah, he's... If you don't, haven't seen the movie, Ken goes to the old woman's house, grabs some of her underwear out of a laundry basket, and tries to—he's going to he's gonna bring it to a dog. He's going to hire an attack dog to kill her, and he needs to get her sent. And as he's there, Mrs. Cody comes out with her three little yapper dogs, and one of them bites Ken when he tries to pet it. So <laughs> Ken's relationship with these dogs will not end well for anybody. <laughs>
1: I wish, I wish there was a way to know, like, which dog that was and if they actually made the dogs different enough to kind of say, like, oh, this is the last dog, like, the one that initially bites Ken. I think that would have been a nice little additional layer of the comedy that's already pr- present th- throughout this the subplot.
0: Yes, and again, reiterating, these dogs will all die horrible, horrible <laughs> deaths at Ken's hands. <laughs> it's very – if you like cringe humor, this is as cringe as it gets. <laughs> okay. So here we go to what I think is my personal vote for the standout scene in this movie. This is Wanda's date at Archie's house. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a fun one. Yeah, this is a fun one. This is, I have long considered this like a ballet of comedy, the timing on this scene.
1: Yeah, there's so many people who have to come in and out of the, of the scene that basically, it bas- it's it's basically just one one room and you see, I think, what is it, five different characters that come, that come in or at least involved with Portia that are that that just come in and out and basically have to keep the basically keep the juggling juggling act going and, and do it flawlessly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is the one again, if you want to see how comedy works and how it's edited for maximum impact, watch this scene right here. I will I'll I'll do my best to walk you guys through it. It's really hard to explain if you haven't seen it before, but It starts with Wanda is going on her date with Archie, and Otto is driving him over to the house. Apparently, Archie's wife and daughter are going out to the opera tonight. So she's going to sneak into his house, have sex with him, and seduce him and figure out the info she needs to know. So, but it's complicated at the start, PJ, because Otto is a little bit jealous by her low-cut outfit.
1: Yes, the 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 the, uh, the argument that they have, um, the the negotiation, I guess, is the best phrase to put of uh, what's what's off limits and what's what's going to happen between Wanda uh, uh, and Archie is really funny. Discussions of nuzzling and, and, and breast play.
0: Yeah, this is we quoted this earlier at the start of the podcast when they're debating what she's allowed to do with Archie. And they talk about nuzzling, sucking, fondling breasts, touching dicks. (laughs) So all all sorts of negotiation that I'm sure a little 10 year old PJ was fascinated to hear when he first saw this movie. I turned out just fine. But yeah, Otto is quite jealous. Otto does not like that his girlfriend is going over to this British lawyer's house, and Jamie Lee Curtis is like, what are you, jealous? And Kevin Klein just the way he reads this line, this stage reading, he's like, me, jealous of that fop?
1: Another another great part is that oh, I think $20 million is worth a little nuzzling.
0: So this could mean actual penetration then, huh? <laughs> But yes, yeah, so that's the one rule at the end of the negotiation. Otto says Touch his dick and he's dead <laughs> So
1: that's the one rule. I love how I love how he's the one who has to die and not you know not Wanda who's responsible for the one the dick touching.
0: Yes, so they're debating where this negotiation is going to go. We see Wendy and Portia, Archie's wife and daughter, getting ready to go to the opera. And Wendy's like, oh, Archie, I've left your supper in the fridge. (laughs) I always love this because he goes to get his supper, and it's literally just like a piece of celery and some lettuce. That's what she's made him for dinner. Yeah. (laughs) So they head out, and Wanda sneaks into the house. Otto picks the lock, and she sneaks upstairs. And, oh, my God, are we going to get some comedy greatness here for about the next 10 minutes?
1: Yeah, the the interactions that we have between Archie, Wanda, Otto, and, um, and Wendy are just top-notch stuff, all from beginning to end.
0: And Portia. Never forget Portia, my friend. Yes, Portia, too. Portia as well. Yeah, so, so the scene starts. So Wendy's up there, uh... So Wanda is upstairs seducing Archie and it's very romantic. It's a very sweet relationship and Otto kind of watches and he's jealous. He doesn't like it, but it's very sweet that she's really doing a good job getting Archie to love her. But the problem is that Wendy on the way to the opera has had a flat tire. So we cut to her and she's like, Oh, I do wish your father had changed this tire. And Porsche like, so we're not going then. And the mom's like, Oh, do shut up Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> so Wendy's coming home with the daughter, Oh, Wanda's upstairs seducing Archie. And in the middle of their seduction, the jealous Otto has wandered into the room and she's in eye, Wanda's eyeline. And in a moment that always made my brother and me laugh, again, we're like 14, 15, he flashes her the don't touch his dick sign, which is basically pointing to his own dick and then doing the cross X sign with his hands over it. <laughs> So anyway, Otto will ruin this, and but but it's going to get even worse when Wendy comes home. Yeah, and and
1: Archie's Archie coming out and just just coming out and saying champagne. The way he just says that he reads champagne when and he freaks out and, went, and he sees uh, Wendy there instead of Wanda. It just it just cracked me up every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no way anybody could get through that scene and not laugh. Where John Cleese goes downstairs to get champagne. Wendy comes home, unbeknownst to him, and when he comes upstairs, he thinks Jamie Lee Curtis, his mistress, is there, but it's actually his wife, and he says, Champagne. She turns around and says, Oh, Archie, and he just screams. (laughs) It's so (laughs) well done. And from here on out, it's just... People ducking in and out behind doors, behind couches, trying not to be spotted as Otto and, and Wanda are in the room and Portia and Wendy are in the room and they're all trying to avoid each other and not be seen. And it just, again, I cannot put it into words how awesome this scene is. It's so fun.
1: The, as soon as Otto comes in, it just, it, becomes, it, it just jumps up another level when he basically is trying to talk his way out of it and, and Wendy is just completely you know, uh, sending it back his way.
0: Okay, yeah, let's explain that to people. So it's this little dance of everyone trying to get around this room without being seen and hiding. And at one point Otto realizes they're screwed, so as the mastermind in this group, Kevin Klein decides he will come out and try to defuse all the tension and save Wanda. So he pops out in the middle of the scene and starts talking to Wendy. She's like, Who are you? And he introduces himself as a CIA agent, I believe.
1: Yeah, Mr. Manfred Jensenson. <laughs>
0: Here's something my wife my wife always laughs about when it comes to this movie, that Kevin Klein is just making up this character name. I'm Harvey Jensen. And later when Wendy's talking to him, Wendy repeats that name back to him perfectly. Well mister Jensen, like she remembers the whole name. <laughs> Yeah, so Kevin Klein's trying to explain why he's there in the room, why his car's out blocking the driveway. He's like, I am a CIA agent, and we have a KGB defector in a safe house nearby, and he's just spouting crap at her. But Wendy will have none of it. She knows this is BS, and she calls BS on him every time to the point that she eventually calls him stupid. And we all know, PJ, you do not call Otto stupid. Don't call me stupid. (laughs) Yes, Listen, lady, you don't know anything about defense tactics. It's an XK Red 27 tactic. She's like, Mr. Manfred Jensen, my father was in the CIA, and I know perfectly well that is not how you do it. <laughs> and she calls him stupid, and here we go. Here's a quote that I used to use all the time. I think this used to be one of my uh, Windows default sounds on my computer because I loved auto quotes. Oh, you English are so mm. superior, aren't you? Well, would you like to know where you'd be without us, the old U.S. of A, to protect you? I'll tell you. The smallest fucking province in the Russian Empire. That's what. So don't call me stupid, lady. Just thank me. If it wasn't for us, you'd all be speaking German. (laughs) Yes so he and wendy go at it and wendy is so much smarter than him she calls bs on him every time and he just goes off and spouts his hatred of english people at her and she's like well thank you for popping in and protecting us and he just and eventually storms out but this gives wanda a chance to try to get her locket now this is important why is the locket important pj because when wanda was Initially
1: talking to Ken, when she was pretending to be on the phone, she found the key in the treasure chest in the tank, and so now she has it in the locket, um, which basically leads to the safe deposit box that that hasn't has has been implied but not explicitly mentioned for where the actual diamonds are.
0: Yes, for those of you scoring along at home, Wanda has a key to the safe deposit box. She has put it in a locket that she has around her neck with a W on it. She has dropped it in all the commotion in the chaos in this uh, house. And what makes this movie jump up to a new comic level is where Archie's wife, Wendy, finds the locket with the key inside, thinks it's a gift from her husband to her because her name starts with a W, too, and she loves it. So now Wendy has the key to the safe deposit box.
1: Just, the, just another, chaos, another chaos agent throughout this whole movie. But like you've mentioned, it's so perfectly paced in time that it actually works out really well.
0: Yeah, that scene, it's about 10, 15 minutes. I forget how long it is. It's so good. And they finally, Wanda and Otto get outside, and Wanda's like, You screwed it up, Otto. You're the worst. Now, now I was working with something delicate. Now his wife's got the locket. You suck, Otto. Blah, blah, blah. So, okay, from here on out, Wanda's going to try to get her locket back. But... Now let's go to Ken. It's time for Ken to start trying to kill an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> and this is your favorite, you said, the first murder attempt?
1: Yeah, because on paper, it seems to make sense. Like, dogs work through sense of smell, and Ken has basically hired this rabid, um, rabid dog to kind of basically scare the old woman. Basically, he's trying to use the scent of the underwear that we mentioned earlier and try and basically have, her have the dog attack which you I mean, like like I said earlier, it it makes it look like an accident. <laughs> but the rabbit dog instead, well, the, when Elaine comes out uh, to the sidewalk, the dog goes out and basically completely snatches one of the dogs in his mouth and just keeps running. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that got such a laugh when i saw this for the first time as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this big killer dog is sent out to kill the old woman, instead he just runs by and this really comic turn grabs the little dog in his mouth and just runs away with it. yeah, it's
1: it's, it's a hard cut like you, it looks it looks surreal when you actually see it and it's just it's just so funny to see it actually happen happen again.
0: Again, people who don't like little dogs dying in movies may not appreciate this, but it is a very well-done death of a dog, and it's immediately followed by a dog funeral. Is <laughs> This lady loves her dog so much that every time one of them dies, we'll get a funeral in Latin, no less, for the dogs, where a priest comes and a choir sings. I think the actual words are, the dog is dead, the dog is dead, miss him, or something like that. <laughs> And poor Ken, the animal lover, is distraught because he killed a dog. He he couldn't hurt a fly. He loves dogs. He works for, like, Greenpeace and animal rights groups. And so when he accidentally kills this first dog, he's horrified. He goes to the funeral and pays his respects. He feels so bad. And this is just the first one. There will be two more. Okay, so... Now we have a, a subplot where Wanda has tried to seduce Archie. It didn't work, and her brother's still mad. And, or, Sorry, not her brother, but <laughs> her lover Otto is still mad. So he finds out. He goes to the flat one day, and he finds out that uh, that Wanda is going to meet Archie at this flat. He's got this flat he's rented, and she hasn't told Otto he's going to do this. So she's going to do this. So Otto's very upset. And he doesn't trust Wanda. So Otto's going to crash this meeting as well.
1: Yeah, and the, the best part about that scene is that basically he's they're having two different conversations because Ken's also in the flat and they're trying to, and Wanda is basically got you're doing her hair and makeup and, and and Otto's talking to her talking to talking to her in like a loud voice to try and throw off Ken and then whisper actually what the conversation was and like the way that Wanda just yells and sells like bye bro and like her, her look of disdain on it just just really really underrated funny moment where during that conversation.
0: I think this is also the scene where Otto says he I hate the way British people talk. They're all moral morally upright superior British F words. And he's like, I hate the sound of their voice. And then he hears he sees Ken spying and he's like, It's not except for you, Ken. You have a wonderful speaking voice when it works. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Ken, just getting shit on left and right. <laughs> Okay, so here comes the second meeting between Wanda and Archie. This is in a flat. Apparently, Archie has a law colleague who has this uh, flat, a little house, a vacation home overlooking the river, and Wanda's going to meet him there, and Archie has promised he will get her the locket, even though his wife, Wendy, is clinging to it and will not give it up, but... Well, Archie promises he'll have it there. So they meet and this is where we get to these scenes that start being surprisingly romantic between these two.
1: Yeah, they definitely the, is it, they start actually like getting to know one another and, and Wanda basically it seems like she's playing Archie to, to get the locket back, but there's some sort of genuine aspect to not wanting to give herself up to Archie without having the locket. It's like it's part of a calm but it's also starting to that line's starting to blur a little bit.
0: Yeah, John Cleese does a great job in this movie from a dramatic perspective. And there's a line here, a little speech he gives, where it's very touching. Like in a silly, mean-spirited comedy movie, you really kind of feel for this guy because he's like really starting to fall in love with Wanda. He buys her con and he says, you know, Wanda, you make me feel free. Do you have any idea what it's like being English, always proper and correct, so terrified of embarrassment, always stifled? He's like, that's why we're all so dead on the inside, but not you. You're alive. You're alive. And I love that about you. I want to be free like you. I want I want to make love to you, Wanda. I love you. So it's like he really is buying into this. And I think she's starting to feel bad. Yeah. And even in that speech, he still lays a joke in there. He says, I'm a good lover. At least I used to be
1: back in the early 14th century. Like even 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 in, 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 in one of the more genuine moments of the film, like he, he still finds a way to sneak a joke in there.
0: Yeah, so they end up up on the bed, and uh, and uh, they're going to make love, and Wanda's start, really starting to think – feel bad that she's seducing this guy she's starting to enjoy his company but it's going to be all for naught because Otto the jealous Otto is literally two feet behind them in a window watching them make out with a stethoscope against the window which always makes me laugh (laughs) and then he sneaks into the house because he has to see if she really does love Archie and they hear him downstairs and 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 Archie's like is that your brother again she's like oh no he's too stupid he'd never figure it out and what do they? They start telling jokes about how stupid he is. Yeah. He, he talking about how the, he thought the Gettysburg address
1: is where Lincoln lived and um, wondering why they named Archie and, and
0: Wendy named Porsche after a car. I don't think a lot of people get that joke. I didn't get that as a kid. Porsche's name is P-O-R-T-I-A, which is a British name, and Otto thinks it's Porsche S-C-H-E, like the car. So, again, I didn't get that as a kid, but it's they, they seem to find it quite funny in John Cleese's screenplay. So I guess British people would get that joke better. Yeah. But yeah, they, they call Otto stupid. And Otto, of course, flies into a rage when anybody calls him stupid. He breaks up their meeting, pops up. It's a great little jump scare. And then he assaults them. He throws Wanda outside and locks her out of the flat. And now he makes Archie apologize for calling him stupid. And when I was a kid, this was probably my favorite quote in the movie. You know the scene I'm talking about here? The one where he's,
1: he's holding him out, underneath, uh, uh, out of the, the window?
0: Even before that. The line right before that.
1: Uh, I can't. I can remember. It. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Archie has claimed that Otto is stupid. Otto already hates British people. Already hates this Archie guy for sneaking in on his girlfriend. And now he's being called stupid. So Otto confronts uh, John Cleese and says, "Apologize." And John Cleese is like, "Why on earth not? Why on earth should I apologize? I'm not gonna apologize to you." And Kevin Klein gets so mad about this, and he reels off a string of uh uh expletives here that would make any child blush where uh uh, kevin klein just says you pompous stuck up snot nosed english giant twerp scumbag fuck face dickhead asshole john cleese is like how very interesting you're a true vulgarian aren't you (laughs) and kevin klein with the perfect retort you are the vulgarian you fuck (laughs) i think that was like in my when i used to have message boards back in the 90s that was always my little profile quote you are the vulgarian you fuck (laughs) (laughs) and because john cleese would not apologize kevin klein dangles him out the window nearly dropping him to his death until john cleese ushers the most lawyer-like apology you're ever going to hear in a movie
1: (laughs) yeah I offer a complete and utter retraction. The imputation was totally without basis, in fact, and was no way fair comment, and was motivated purely by malice, and I deeply regret any distress that my comments may have caused you or your family, and I hereby undertake not to repeat any such slander at any time in the future.
0: And Kevin Klein just says, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great scene. I love it. It's so quotable. Again, someone meme this stuff. These should all be memes. <laughs> you are the vulgarian, you fuck. That's the one. <laughs> okay, so for now, Archie has apologized to Otto. Wanda still has not got the information out of Archie, so she's still pissed at Otto. But we're going to go back to dog assassination attempt number two, which. <laughs> When, when we were kids I remember laughing again so hard the first time this scene happened because it's so comical now explain this method of trying to kill Eileen Cody he's
1: he's in he's uh, I, I think he's in like a rental he's in some sort of car that that, that isn't his because he throughout the movie he's riding a motorcycle uh, and he basically is gonna try and scare her by crashing into her I guess like as a car accident and uh-huh. basically what he does is he in, in the, the the left front tire basically runs over one of the other dogs that has accidentally wandered into the street. It, it shows, it, it shows that the clip, the, the, the scene of the dog, like completely flattened, like cartoon style. But <laughs> only, only thing that was missing is basically just cartoon tire marks on his, on the dog's back.
0: <laughs> yes. That is shock humor at its finest where Ken tries to run over the old woman. She leaps out of the way, but he clips her dog and we get the most wonderful shot of a, cartoon dog flattened like a pancake (laughs) i just remember laughing like oh my god i've never seen that in a movie before (laughs) and ken is horrified the poor animal lover has killed his second dog and he has to go to another dog funeral in latin and present his his, his, (laughs) grief and pay his respects and lay down the flowers (laughs) i read somewhere that when they originally filmed that scene it was much Grosser, They had like dog entrails and blood all over the place. Yeah, this is. But the audience better. would, yeah, the audience would not accept that.
1: Yeah, no, this is definitely better because it's it's realistic, but also has a as a cartoon aspect to it that definitely uh, blurs that one. That definitely doesn't make it as real as, as people would not want it to be. So it, it's 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 a perfect mix.
0: Yes, for all you dog lovers, if you want to see a tasteful rendition of a dog being flattened by a car, this is how you do it. <laughs> And you know what? We still have one more. My personal favorite one coming at the end. <laughs> okay, so Wanda is still furious at Otto. You keep screwing up my seduction attempts. She's like, there's only one thing left to do. Archie apologized to you. You apologize to Archie. And he's like, "Otto's like, no, I will not apologize to that fop. And she's like, do it or we're dead. This is the only guy keeping you out of jail. We get those jewels. We get out of here. Otherwise, you go to jail as an accomplice. So... Otto understands that logic and he goes to Archie's house to apologize. And this is the scene you were talking about earlier where Kevin Klein's character cannot quite bring it to himself to apologize. Even
1: before that, the whole Wanda, when Wanda and Otto are talking, Wanda basically completely calls Otto out for being stupid. Don't call me
0: stupid. Oh, right! To call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people! I've known sheep that could outwit you. I've worn dresses with higher IQs, but you think you're an intellectual, don't you, ape?
1: Apes don't
0: read philosophy. Yes, they do, Otto. They just don't understand it. Now, let me correct you on a couple things, okay? Aristotle was not Belgian. The central message of Buddhism is not every man for himself. You And the London Underground is not a political movement. Those are all mistakes, Otto. I looked them up.
1: The, the principle of Buddhism is for ev- not every man for himself. is just a line that cracks me up every time I read it or hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Otto goes to Archie's mansion to apologize. And again, just now I love mystery science theater. This is a quote they would always use on mystery science theater. When somebody had to apologize, they would always reference this scene where Otto is trying to work up the nerve to apologize to, to, uh, to archie and he's like i'm so very like in his, he's in his car just practicing but he cannot say the words even in the car he's yeah like, i'm so i'm so i'm so and eventually just evolves in him saying i'm so fuck you <laughs> <laughs> and then when he gets there the apology goes even worse than than he had imagined
1: <laughs> yeah because archie's trying to get the the locket back and trying to see stages of robbery and auto Otto- you know, using this as an opportunity to get back into Archie's good graces tries to... De- to knock out the burglar before he realizes it, Archie, and then he can apologize to him when he's knocked unconscious. <laughs>
0: yeah. Another wonderful moment. Archie, Archie is trying to rob his own house. His wife will knock you back to locket, So Archie's plan is to rob his own house. He's in a disguise. Otto's there. Otto thinks he's a burglar, <laughs> assaults him, ties him up. And one of the best laughs in the movie, he pulls out this big pan and whacks him in the head <laughs> twice. And, <laughs> the sound effect they use on that. And don't call me Otto. <laughs> So Otto kicks the shit out of him, and Archie is knocked out on the floor, and now Otto apologizes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) And then Otto just leaves. He's like, well, um, ah, and just leaves and runs out of the room. (laughs) So he never technically does apologize to poor Archie. But as luck has it, Wendy comes home, frees Archie, He's, he grabs the locket, puts it in his mouth, chews it up, and claims it was stolen. So all things, are, all things end up good in the end. He's going to go back to Wanda, give her the locket, and all's well that will end well, correct?
1: It's so they say.
0: so here we go. Another, again, I can't believe I keep saying this, but another huge laugh, huge scene with a huge laugh where the scene where he goes back to the flat to give the the locket to Wanda. This is their second rendezvous. And this time she's so happy and she agrees to have sex with him. And they're just about to have sex. And John Cleese is going to suffer the ultimate humiliation for a proper British lawyer. What is going to happen to him while he's naked?
1: Uh, the family who is renting out the flat, um, basically without Archie's knowledge comes in their whole family and Archie is already completely undressed, ready for, to have sex with Wanda. So he has to grab the picture of the, I'm I'm assuming it's his, uh, the person who gave him the keys to the flat. And that's basically all that's really, uh, (laughs) really denying him from a full frontal to the audience and the family.
0: (laughs) Yeah, John Cleese is preparing to have sex with Wanda. She's upstairs. He has spoken Russian to her. We learn that he speaks Russian, which turns her on even more than Italian. That she's practically humping a piece of rope because it turns her on so much. And John Cleese is getting undressed, preparing to consummate the act with the lovely Wanda and he's dancing around naked in his under or first in his underwear, then strips down speaking in Russian and this family walks into the flat and they see him naked and it's people. He knows it's the people who bought his house. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to have a conversation with them while he's completely naked. And at one point he grabs a picture and holds it over his privates because there's a wonderfully timed shot of this little girl trying to get a look at his junk. <laughs> she's like eight and she's kind of rises up on her toes to look at his penis and he he slams a picture down over his privates just to block it it's just so well done (laughs) so anyway the ultimate humiliation for this proper lawyer that he's being forced to talk to the people who bought his house while he's completely naked in front of their kids (laughs) so good all right we'll finish up this movie here so uh, Archie tries to break up with Wanda, saying, you know, it's too much trouble. We can't have an affair. I have to dump you. I'm sorry about that. And and he goes home, and Otto follows Archie home to Apollo to finally apologize. I'm sorry I beat you up. I'm sorry I dangled you out a window. And this time, Otto's apology is even better, right, because it involves a gun.
1: Yeah, he puts a gun to his
0: face. <laughs> <laughs> he pins Archie down in his front yard right under the window where Wendy, his wife Wendy, is. He straddles him, puts a gun in his face, and says, I apologize. Look, my sister's a very sexy girl. I understand you wanted to play around with her. Pork away, pal. Fuck her blue. <laughs> Which, I mean, that, that would be a perfect Hallmark card right there. Yeah. <laughs> but Wendy overhears. So Archie's life is pretty much over now, because his wife now knows he's having an affair. But technically, Otto has apologized.
1: He, he like I said, he... he, he... Finally figured out a way. It just took a lot of violence and, you know, a gun to the person's face for them to understand the apology.
0: Yes. As they say in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. (laughs) Okay, here we go. We're right about to the end of the movie, but we still have one more dog murder scene, which to me is the highlight, the standout of all the dog murders. And I will let you explain this one because I can't get to this one without laughing.
1: It basically can set up... I believe he's in the flat or he's at a house adjoining um, across the street from the house that Elaine lives at. And basically he has a sniper that's focused on a pulley that's for some sort of construction and he hits it and he he shoots it hits it. And then there's this bucket of, dirt or wood or something that falls down and it squashes the puppy, but, the, but Elaine doesn't realize it. So she's trying to walk down the sidewalk, pulling on the leash until she doesn't have any slack left to give and comes back around. And, and then that's a
0: heart attack. Okay. Now for years, I've wondered what is that thing that crushes the dog for years? I always said it was a piano because it looks like a piano, but it's not a piano. It's like a huge wooden crate of something. And for people who've not seen this or have not seen it in a while, yeah, it falls straight down and just absolutely obliterates the poor dog. It's one of the hardest hits you've ever seen in a movie. But it's comedic. You don't see blood, it's just this giant wooden crate smashing this tiny dog. And I, I would just rewind that scene over and over because it was so funny the way it was timed and the sound effects they use. And then Eileen Cody walks away with her dead dog under the crate, and she tries to walk it, and the line just goes slack. <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to figure out, where's my last dog? And she's looking under this crate. And then, and then again, the shock of it, she has a massive heart attack. So. <laughs> Ken has not only killed her last dog unintentionally, he's now like absolutely horrified. He's going to like into a you know a panic attack cuz he's killed three little dogs. It's the worst thing ever. But when he realizes Eileen Cody has died of a heart attack from the shock, he starts laughing. So <laughs> right over her corpse, he starts giggling and high-fiving and laughing everybody. He got the job done. It did it. It was great. So <laughs> he wins. Well, Eileen Cody's dead. The good guys win. The now old lady is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that scene that is a legendary scene that one of the funniest scenes in the 80s that last dog just getting absolutely crushed by a crate or safe whatever that thing is <laughs> so they're all celebrating because the case is going to get thrown out you know there's no witness and uh what happens is ken makes the mistake of as he's celebrating tells otto you know i killed the old woman you owe me a pound because they had this bet and so Otto rushes over to Ken's flat to debate this. Wait a minute, you killed the old lady? Really? We're all home free? We're all going to escape? And Ken makes the mistake, yeah, we're going to go to the place where the jewels are right next to the airport. And Otto gets this evil look in his eyes. Oh, so the jewels are near the airport, huh, Ken? And Ken's like, oh, crap. And now we get the infamous interrogation scene.
1: The, uh, the, the glorification of the french fry, or the chip, as it's called, in, in over the, over across the pond,
0: Yes, the English contribution to World Cuisine, the chip. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, Kevin Klein ties up Michael Palin as the last humiliation, and he's going to interrogate him to find out where these jewels are, so Otto can take them, and he can escape with Wanda, and they get all the money. And he ties up Ken, and he puts two French fries up his nose, and in a very, I have to say honestly, this is a difficult scene to watch, even, even I as a fan of animal cruelty in comedies, where... Otto will torture Ken by systematically eating his goldfish in front of him.
1: <laughs> Don't eat the green ones yet. They're not ripe.
0: That is a great line. That I've, I've quoted that for years. <laughs> Where, yeah, Otto starts eating Ken's fish to torture him. Like, tell me, or I'm going to eat your beloved fish. And he eats one after the other. And then uh, Ken's like, you, you, buh, buh, buh. He's going to say bastard. And Otto finishes a sentence by saying, better eat the green one? Okay. <laughs> and, so, and so he starts eating and then he gets the green one he's like ew don't eat the green one it's not ripe yet and he starts laughing <laughs> and finally we get to the titular character in the movie wanda what happens what is the fate of a fish called wanda pj uh
1: he she becomes another victim of uh, of Otto after basically completely torturing ken to getting i believe that uh he says the Cathcart Towers Hotel at this point, right? When
0: yeah, yeah, I mean... yeah. Eventually, Ken eventually Ken squeals. The jewels are at the Cathcart Towers. The key is in the fish tank in the treasure chest, yeah. and but the key is not there because Wanda has it, and so Otto completes the torture by eating Wanda, the beloved fish. And Ken is horrified. He's so angry. And honestly, I've heard people say this is a tough, tough, tough scene to watch. It's it's kind of cruel, even for this movie.
1: Yeah, it, the, the rea- based on the reactions alone from Ken, it's I, I could see why the, the, the cringe might be going just a little too far.
0: Yeah, there's one moment in particular where Otto's torturing Ken. He puts two french fries up his nose and then puts a pear into his mouth. So Ken, Ken cannot breathe. And... It's very, very realistic. The acting job that Michael Palin does—that it cannot get oxygen. That it's almost not funny. It goes a little beyond that to scary. It's very, very terrifying to watch
1: this. Yeah, at first it, it looks like that, like it's used for humor. But like you said, it's a, good, it's a great acting job. That basically you're like, you're, you're, you're a little worried there, right, for, for a second that like, not only just the character, but like, you know, you want to make sure that the actor is, is, is okay, and like, it's not going too far.
0: Yeah, that's a tough scene to watch. So kudos to Michael Palin for cutting off his oxygen for a couple seconds for art.
1: Probably multiple times over, considering that probably wasn't a one-take shot, too.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the end of the movie is Otto knows where the jewels are. He calls Wanda at the courthouse. She's like, all right, we don't need George anymore. So she sells out george on the stand right she's like oh i saw george that day going to the bank with a gun yeah and he's like you bitch you fucking bitch and it devolves into chaos because george is gonna go to jail and wanda doesn't need him anymore
1: yeah it's weird that you leave five seven with that sawed off
0: shotgun <laughs> yes I don't know if you would have caught this. A movie nerd like uh, like me would have caught this. Is that there's a big scuffle in the courthouse, and afterwards, at the end of the, uh, the the big fight, Archie, the lawyer, has been punched and he's laying flat on his back on the ground. And there's a shot of him just sitting up in the courtroom, using not without using his arms, just straight sit up and he turns his head to the left. That's kind of an homage to the movie Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis, because that's exactly how Michael Myers sits up behind her at the end. See, I did notice that. I didn't know that what
1: that was. That was an homage to, to Halloween.
0: There's your movie nerd trivia fact for my listeners, that a Halloween reference in A Fish Called Wanda. Okay, from here on out, it's just a race to the airport to see who can get the jewels and who can get out of there. Wanda goes there, Otto goes there, Ken is still tied up, he needs help, so Archie goes back to the house to free Ken, and we have a big, long, drawn-out scene where Ken has to explain to Archie where the jewels are, but he has a stutter, and it's a classic Monty Python bit where it goes on for like 10 minutes where. Ken is k- 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 and John Cleese is getting so frustrated it's very fun to watch but I can see why stutterers may have a problem with this scene
1: yeah because yeah, basically he, he tries to get him to do it but it, it everything that Archie's doing is basically not helping he tries, tries to get him to sing it and eventually gets him to, to write it on the, the newspaper that's in front of him to kind of get the information that he needs
0: yeah. But eventually they get the, the the news they need. And I think Archie at this point realizes, you know what, I'll just take those jewels myself. I, all these people are con artists. Wanda was conning me. They're all con artists. My wife is going to dump me. I'm having an affair. I might as well just take these jewels and flee, whatever. And so they're all going to the airport and it's going to converge there where it's kind of complicated. I don't want to confuse our listeners too much, but... Wanda and Otto get there, and then Wanda knocks out Otto. Right?
1: Yes, they get to, they get the jewels. They get to the airport, and Wanda knocks out Otto. Um, and then Archie and Ken get right behind, and Ken goes into luggage,
0: and, Ar- and Archie goes to find Wanda. Okay, so Wanda ends up on the plane by herself with the jewels. Otto is knocked out Cannon goes down to the tarmac to figure out some way to stop Otto or get the jewels from Wanda and we get the final confrontation in the airport where Otto and Archie finally square off the old rivals Kevin Klein and John Cleese in one last showdown
1: yeah this the the, the hands thing that that John that Kevin Klein does is something that gets completely even I think literally... 3 days ago when I was talking to my family we brought that up and basically did the hand motion where basically Archie's got uh, got uh, Otto's gun got him at gunpoint and Otto completely dismisses him as a threat after and then Archie tells him to put his hands up and Otto doesn't do it he's like I'll make a deal with you I'll put one of them up and he basically alternates between moving his right and left hand up in a, in a right angle and it, it's just it's just really funny he just he had the face that he does he makes when he when he's doing it adds to the effect
0: Yeah, what's funny is a lot of good comedy caper movies kind of run out of steam by the end because they have to resolve the plot so there's no more humor at the end. A Fish Called Wanda is funny right up to the end, I swear to God, because we get the final showdown where (laughs) Kevin Kline just being a jackass to John Cleese because he doesn't respect Archie. But eventually, Kevin Kline gets a gun and he's like, I'm going to shoot you, Archie, but first I want to humiliate you just because I love humiliating the English. So he has John Cleese go out and stand in a barrel of water on the tarmac and he basically wants to make fun of him before he shoots him and they they engage in one of the funniest exchanges of dialogue in the movie where they just crap on each other for a while yeah <laughs> the way we the <football> winners <laughs> okay yeah let me quote this I wrote this one down because I used to quote this all the time where, where uh, Kevin Klein says you English you're a bunch of pompous badly dressed poverty stricken sexually repressed football hooligans And John Cleese is like, Well, at least we're not irretrievably vulgar. And Kevin Klein is, You know what your problem is, you English? You don't like winners. And John Cleese is like, Winners? Like North Vietnam? And Kevin Klein gets so mad at a Vietnam joke. He's like, "Shut up! We did not lose Vietnam. It was a tie." <laughs> and then John Cleese breaks out this wonderful Texas accent. I kind of, I could never catch the right, the exact words he says. Like, "They whipped your hides real good." Yeah, it's like it's almost like he's
1: been waiting to bring break that out right until the end, when he has that showdown.
0: You know your problem. You don't like winners. Winners? Yeah. Winners. Winners like North Vietnam? Shut up! We did not lose Vietnam. It was a tie. I'm telling you, baby, they kicked your little ass there. Boy, they whooped your hide real good. (laughs) Yes. And John Cleese's like, What well, you're gonna shoot me now? And Kevin Klein's like, uh yes, Fred, so old chap <laughs> <laughs> Just they're just crapping on each other. But all throughout the scene is they're just taking digs at each other. Ken, the poor poor put upon ken who has been suffering dignities and killed animals accidentally all movie is trying to kill otto he's driving up on a steam behind him on a steamroller so in maybe 5 or 10 minutes he might catch up and kill him and he's not much of a threat until otto sees him and laughs and accidentally steps in wet cement <laughs> <laughs> and this is a wonderful everybody remembers this here's the famous line it's Ken, coming to kill me. How are you gonna catch me, Ken? <laughs> Revenge. Yeah, Ken is riding on a steamroller. Revenge for Wanda. He's still mad that Otto ate his fish, and it will culminate in Ken running Otto over with a steamroller and killing him or theoretically killing him. I think there's a shot at the end where Otto survived, right?
1: Yes, yeah, he, uh, he's, he's on the somehow on the plane, and he gets one more asshole in right at the end of the movie.
0: Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. The John Cleese gets out of the barrel, runs on the plane, meets Wanda. They decide they're in love, that she wasn't conning him, she really did like him. He forgives her. They have the jewels and they fly off and it ends with Otto hanging off the side of the plane screaming asshole as he's pulled off to his death, I guess. No, they have the they have the little um, They have the little
1: title cards at the end. He moves to South Africa.
0: That's right. Yeah, they have all – this was a convention they used to use in old movies in the 70s and 80s. What happened to all the characters afterwards? Like Ken went to SeaWorld and they went to – South. I forget. But I I always forget that part because I don't think it's very funny. I, I wish they would not have done that. Yeah.
1: Well, I was looking at the, the Wikipedia page and they have the, the, the fierce creatures with the, the spiritual successor to the movie. And they, mm-hmm. they they say in the novelization, they basically touch on all the characters about um, Archie and Wanda being in Rio and Otto leaving South Africa after Nelson Mandela got elected. And it, it seems like it's got they, they at least put the effort in to kind of maintain that continuity and keep a true to that story.
0: But at the end of the day, we have just ended one of the perfect comedy movies in nature that there's almost no flaws in it i can think of almost nothing i would change about this movie other than the little update at the end which i don't think is all that i think a movie like this didn't need that little hacky thing at the end but otherwise would you agree this is almost a perfect comedy movie
1: yeah i think that the from beginning to end and how it holds up over time uh, I, I found myself laughing a lot at jokes that just completely stand up between 1988 and now
0: Yeah. And again, multiple viewings. This movie is designed for multiple viewings. There's so many little side quotes and background quotes and facial reactions of people and Kevin Klein doing Kevin Klein stuff. And again, John Cleese is great in this movie. Michael Palin's great. Jamie Lee Curtis, who really was a little above her head going up against these big shot comedians, holds her own as well. This was one of her first big comedy movies. So it was just Again, I could not say any more about this movie that has always, ever since I was a kid, been my favorite comedy movie of all time. I just love it so much. And I I have to add that when I was a kid, I think I mentioned this in one of my other podcasts, when I was a kid in college... If people wanted to be friends with me, they had to know three movies. They had to at least be familiar with them because I quoted them all the time. One was The History of the World Part 1, which is a Mel Brooks movie. One was The Kentucky Fried Movie, which is a really raunchy 70s comedy. And then this is the number one one, Fish Called Wanda. They had to get my Fish Called Wanda references or it wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Fierce Creatures. Um, I don't want to get too far into that, but kind of explain to people what that is in case they don't know. Basically, they
1: came back the, – the, the core cast um, came back for a 1997 movie called Fierce Creatures, which they, they said it was an equal um, instead of like a sequel or a prequel, which basically is just a, a spiritual successor to the movie where they basically have all of these um, actors come back playing different roles but under a similar type of um, subplot. They, like, they got almost everybody that was somewhat main character – John Cleese, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Kline, Michael Palin, um, Maria Aitken is back and in, in, oh, in, in a small. Cynthia Cleese is also in in, a, in like so basically they try and get pretty much every core cast member except for I think um, obviously the actress who played um, Elaine uh, uh, Eileen is actually let me just text. She this. had died in real life. Uh, I'm trying to see she's not in the movie. She hadn't died. She was worked. She worked until. Um, uh, Crime and Punishment in 2002, but it doesn't look like that she was in Fierce Creatures.
0: So I think what happened is Michael Palin accidentally dropped a piano on her. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was terrible. (laughs) Now, I have not seen Fierce Creatures in a long time, and I will say when I first saw it, I hated it. But that's one maybe I should give a second chance. Have you watched that one recently? I have
1: not. I don't think I've seen it since I was a teen when I found out that there was this movie existed.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just, I, someone told me the other day they love A Fish Called Wanda and Fierce Creatures, and it's a great double feature, and I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) Maybe I'm a little hasty in that because I love this movie so much and I don't like Fierce Creatures, but perhaps I will watch that one again. But it's, I do know it didn't really match the style of this one at all. It's, it's, it maybe isn't that bad, but you cannot compare it to a fish called Wanda, which again is nature's perfect comedy movie. I think.
1: Yeah, it just seemed like that they were trying to um, trying to recreate it ten years later, and it just didn't seem like it was. They were trying trying to um, they're trying to follow up something that seemed to be unfollow upable, for lack of a better word.
0: Yeah, and again, that's our coverage of A Fish Called Wanda, and I'm just imploring you people, you young people out there, start making memes about this movie. Turn this into the meme movie, because it should be even better remembered than Clue. It really should be. This is like the one of the 80s that I always say was the big standout, and at the time, you know, a lot of people would have said this was the funniest movie or one of the funniest movies of the 80s, and it just, it never really kept up i'm not sure why it never really kept up with other 80s movies i don't know because it's british it's too adult maybe it's too offensive i don't know but like i defy anyone to find a funnier movie than this to be honest
1: well i wonder if uh something like uh um, the hugh grant stuff that happens in the 90s kind of washes out everything before that that's not basically not directly monty python um basically hugh grant has a has a some sort of like hold on the british film industry after four weddings and a funeral like not six years after fish called Wanda comes out and I think that that was basically such a big movie that, like, I think that he may have just completely created a black hole in British film for a while.
0: <laughs> so Hugh Grant ended all British domination of film.
1: Hey, he he he's, he's done well for himself post, post Four Weddings and a Funeral, <laughs> so I don't think he's complaining too much.
0: Okay, well, again, PJ, I just want to thank you for joining me. I know this was a tricky movie to get through. I'm actually kind of impressed we kept it under two hours because, again, we jumped over a couple – Key things in the movie just because I was trying to keep it going, but it's a very intricate movie, and I'm glad you were here to finally do this movie justice with me.
1: Yes, it was a blast to, to be on here and talk about this movie with you.
0: All right, and again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you guys need to reach me, you can reach me at Staff at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. Until the next time, I'll be out there searching for more movies that deserve more love, and I'll try to find somebody interesting to come on and smash little dogs with me. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. You pompous, stuck up, snot nosed, English giant twerp, scumbag, fuckface, dickhead, asshole. How very interesting. You're a true Bulgarian, aren't you? You're the Bulgarian, you fuck!
1: Oh, it's too big! No, it isn't, Portia. It is! enormous! No, it isn't! Oh, please, Mother! No, absolutely not! I'm so miserable and you just don't care! Do shut up, Portia!